This morning we are going to try our best. As you can already know, things have changed. First of all, you came in, there's no communion table. What? There's no communion table in front of the pulpit? How can life go on? Uh, The front two pews are up here. What? They're not there? How can we function as a church? What? The the preacher's going to preach after the offertory? Oh, man, I don't know if we can take this. There's too many choices here. It's, uh, it's sort of like walking down the, the aisle of the cereal display in the supermarket. I challenge you to stop and count the many different types of cereal. It's mind-boggling. You got sweetened with sugar. That's where all the children usually stop. You got Cocoa Puffs and Cocoa Krispies. They got chocolate in that. Great treat, by the way. After you finish the cereal, you get a chocolate rush of chocolate milk. You got unsweetened cereal, such as Kashi. It's almost like eating sticks. (laughs) You got so many choices to make. And then there's the choice to make of, when you, when you say to your wife, honey, let's just, let's, instead of you cooking, let's just go out somewhere today. And the first question is, where are we going? Gentlemen, I want to tell you something. That is a question that can set you up for failure. Because if you choose the wrong place, in your heart you may be thinking, Burger King, can I get an amen from the men? And her heart, she's thinking salad bar somewhere. Well, you, you, Burger King don't have salads. You pull up their choice. You know what I'm saying. Choices of life. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6 reveals to us that there are choices to be made. In fact, he highlights it, if I may read for you, in verse 7 and 8. When he says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit, of the Spirit he will reap everlasting life. Life on earth has a conflict of choices. We can, there's a conflict between those things that we struggle with. What are we going to allow to dominate our lives? There's a conflict between false suggestions from the exterior world to the truth of the word of God. What are we going to believe? What are we going to, if you will, shape our lives after? There's a choice of who's going to be in control. Is it going to be me or is it going to be Jesus Christ? But the Apostle Paul lays for us the consequences of those choices. Every choice we make has a consequence, both positive and negative. 
if the Apostle Paul says, if we reap to the flesh, then we will, if we sow to the flesh, excuse me, then we will reap the consequences of that. This past week, Pastor Isaac and I were at a, at a pastor's conference. And my particular breakout session was finished before his. And so I went and, and sat in a chair outside of the particular uh, breakout uh, meeting that he was at. And, and the individual, the presenter of that, made a very interesting statement. He said, there are two kinds of sin. There's the prideful sin, and then there's the humble sin. Then he went on to suggest the fact that which one is it that God is really interested in forgiving? He said his word says that he resists the proud. But he delights in forgiving the humble. Sometimes our choices we make, unfortunately, we carry the banner of pride. It's almost like saying that this is the way I am, and if you don't like it, too bad for you. Statements such as, well, this is just the way I am. All of those have the ingredient of pride. And in that desire to not be changed there comes a consequence that sooner or later we trust that the individual is awakened to the fact that this life isn't so good. Let me just give you a a couple of scenarios, if, if I can. We can choose, in so many ways, we can choose to Hold grudges. And we can choose to be angry. We can even choose to be, if you will, conflictive with other people. And sometimes that invades our very being. Sometimes that hinders our spiritual growth. In fact, it hinders our spiritual growth so much that we begin to blame other people, that it's their fault. The Apostle Paul says that when you begin to sow to the flesh, you will reap that. None of you, except my, my wife, have, have, has met and a long time ago met my, my maternal grandmother. If you met her once, you, you would come to the conclusion that she was a very bitter person and you would be right. The sad thing of it is that the day of her funeral as I walked past with my mom and, 
And she had that look that I remember that would freeze a fire. It was on her face. I couldn't help but chuckle because I wonder, just wonder, if when she opened her eyes in glory, she would have come to the understanding of how much of her life was wasted in bitterness. But she made that choice. The scriptures are very clear that, as we know, that chapter 6 is a commentary of the closing verses of chapter 5 in the book of Galatians. In other words, to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, as we said, first of all, we are to be careful that if anyone is overtaken in sin, that we're supposed to help that individual. We're also reminded that in, in, there are certain individuals who carry an overburdened weight that we as believer people are to come alongside and, and try our best to carry some of that weight for them. But we're also reminded that there are certain backpacks that we are to carry. No one can carry it for us. But now when we come down to chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, to be walking in the Spirit should cause us to want to sow in the Spirit. I wonder if the question arises is this. What are we really doing with our Christian life? Someone once said that the army of God has so many secret service agents. Individuals that determine to not be known as a believer. Sort of hold that inside and don't want to share that. If you were here yesterday, or you may have even read accounts of uh, the life of Wellington when he was in kindergarten, how he went up to his teacher and he just said, you know, I just love Jesus. He said that, I'm sure, to some of you that had a privilege of, of teaching him here in Sunday school and vacation Bible school. Wellington wasn't afraid to be known for someone who walked a different path, maybe. And rightly so, I, I see his life as an expression and as a witness to us who are left behind. The Apostle Paul is saying here, what are you doing with your Christian life? Are you really growing in what we call the spirit or are you content to just have, and I say this with all due respect, are you just content to have fire insurance? 
So, how do we make sense of this? What, what are we supposed to do? There's an interesting uh, article. It, it comes from a, a book that's called A Thousand Clowns. And the author writes a, a fictional character of an uncle who wants his nephew to know something. And the uncle says this, I just want him to stay with me till I can be sure he won't turn into a Norman nothing. I want to be sure he'll know when he's chickening out on himself. I want him to stay awake and know who the phonies are. I want him to know how to holler and put up an argument. I want a little guts to show before I let him go. I want to be sure he sees all the wild possibilities. And I want him to know the subtle, sneaky, important reason he was born to be a human being and not a chair. When you go back to the book of Proverbs, and as you peruse the first six chapters, it is chuck full of words that Solomon is writing as he says, My son, pay attention to what I'm telling you. He talks about loving wisdom. He talks about staying away from certain people. He reflects the fact of how knowing and, and understanding and living in the spirit of God will produce in you a life that is to be garnered like diamonds and rubies. Important information in order that we can make wise choices. But sometimes life gets tiring. And you get to that point in life where all of you have faced the same statement, and it's something like this, what's the use? What's the use? That's why the apostle Paul wrote verse 9. And he says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. My wife's father was a dairy farmer. I know enough about it to get me in trouble. But once the farmer has done everything he can to prepare the soil and then finally when the seed is planted it's virtually out of his hands at that time he can't make it rain oh he can have irrigation and such as that but he can't produce the the, the, right, the right weather he can't keep critters out of there it's, it's out of his hands. But he waits. 
And pretty soon, he sees the reward of his labor. Shoots start to come up. In my father-in-law's, it was cow corn. It was oats. It was alfalfa. All the things that he needed and knew that he needed to be able to harvest so that the, the animals, that they would have enough for the, for the winter. There were some good years, plenty, and there weren't so many, and there were some not so good years. He used to have a saying. He said that if there is a snow cap on top of the fence posts all winter, then it's going to be a good growing season. But there were some times when the snow caps weren't there. But you still go on. You still plant. You still sow. In order that you can reap. Christian life is like that, dear people. There are days when we can see instant, instant consequences. Good consequences. And then there's days when you just wonder... Is it worth it? Apostle Paul says, don't lose heart. He closes Galatians that way and he closes 1 Corinthians that way. Therefore, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This morning, it's about choices. The choices are this. You can either sow to the spirit or sow to the flesh. There's no in-between. But what is it that you'd like to reap? That's the question. Because one day, as Wellington and as Ray has already experienced, they will stand before God. And they will give an account. 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5. They have already given their account. And I'm almost sure that both of them came on the, the good side of the crowns. But what about you? Where are you in the choices that you make? Are you pride or are you humble? This morning, the word has even pierced my heart. As I trust it has yours. Because as as I've said before, if we really desire to reap for the honor and glory of God, then we have to make choices to honor him because of this one reason. Hell is too hot and time is too short.
We have people that we must tell about Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was getting at in this passage. Reap and sow that God would be honored. I trust that is your passion of life. Let's close in prayer. Father, the events of this morning at some time seem to be anticlimactic for the past two weeks. But I'm gracious, Lord, and I'm thankful that your word draws us and draws us to think of how is it that we're living for you. Oh God, in my life, I pray that we would even strive with more determination by the presence of your spirit, oh Lord God, to bear fruit that is honoring to you. So guide us, oh thou great Jehovah, as we pilgrim through this barren land. To you be that honor and glory. And I praise you in your name, O Lord God. Amen.